0: Hello and welcome to the Produce Retail Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Nickel, and thank you so much for joining us this week for a special episode. Now, if you're a regular listener, you have probably noticed that within the overall context of produce retail, we mostly focus in four areas on this podcast. One is executive perspective, where we hear from directors and vice presidents of produce. Two is produce manager perspective, where we talk to produce managers and about topics that are particularly relevant to that group. Three is marketing and merchandising, where we visit with folks both on the retail side and others who have kind of a bird's eye view to consumer trends that influence retail. And then fourth is leadership and training, which seems pretty self-explanatory. So we'll venture beyond those general areas on occasion, but those are really our core buckets. And by the way, we actually have playlists for each of those. So please feel free to give me a shout on LinkedIn if you want me to send you those links. You can find me again, it's Ashley Nickel, A-S-H-L-E-Y-N-I-C-K-L-E. I I mentioned those four areas because what we're gonna do for the last few weeks of the year here and into the beginning of the new year is revisit some of the best conversations we had on each of these kind of broad topics in 2023. Today, we're talking about one of my favorite topic areas, leadership and training. Now, particularly for training, I got to tell you, I have a personal bias because when I hear training, I think learning and I love to learn because for me, learning is invigorating. It's empowering. And it's addictive. And the reason is because it's a pretty phenomenal feeling to look back every now and then and realize how much more you know today. The things you've figured out, the things that you've experienced that were completely new to you six months ago or even six weeks ago. So with my zeal for learning, you can understand why I'm particularly enthusiastic about training, because ultimately. Training is giving your team members the ability to learn, and when you're learning, you're inherently getting into something new, something different, and that makes a job better. So that's the concept, but the actual application, well, one of the best people I know to speak on that in particular is one of my best buds in the industry, Brian Day. Brian is the natural stores coordinator and senior merchandiser at Four Seasons Produce, so teaching and training is a core part of his role. Here's a clip from our conversation this year on approaches to training.
1: You want everyone to feel, um, not like they're going somewhere is a bad example, but uh, to be included, right? You know, I have a goal where I wanted to be a produce manager on my own in, um 10 years. And it might not be for that particular company, right? But you're developing that person to be what they want to be. It all starts as a manager uh, or as a trainer or as, as actually caring for the individual and knowing what their end goals are. Mm-hmm. And their end goals might not be in your store in 10 years, but you as a, as a mentor, as a trainer can help them get to where they, to where they get to be. And to me, I mean, that's, that's my, uh, of all the displays and, and everything that, that have come apart, across my career uh, that we've gotten accolades on. Biggest thing for me is training that one person on and to be the produce manager, the produce clerk, the produce merchandiser. Uh, that they now they that they now are or they stri- they strive to be when they were under my tutelage. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of managers that are that are like that. A lot of training managers that are like that is is they actually care about the actual person itself. And their goals and their long-term um desires rather than okay how are you going to stack this um uh, these cucumbers for me are you going to we're going to make sure are you going to make sure that everything's rotated which is important what's an important piece but the genuine caring about others uh, actually is just uh, is is where it's at is as a trainer right as a trainer you should actually feel that way about the employees that uh, that you're that you're training so going back to the whole people part right We I mean, go back to the whole people business so
0: well because because the things that you're talking about y- you would think they would be retention 101 right <laughs> is like be be in touch with with what where your folks are wanting to go and talk with them regularly about how you help them get there and, and have a, have, you know, encourage them to set goals and, and be, you know, checking in with them about that. And, mm-hmm. and like you said, open if they want to be there for a number of years, and then maybe they want to go work on the supply chain or, or, you know, on the supply sure. side of produce or something, or, you know, who knows, sure. but I think, um you know, to to have an employer that invests in you like that and you can tell cares employer or, you know, trainer in, in this case, yeah. sure. um, it, it, it makes a difference because that that changes why somebody's working a little bit, right? It's like when yeah. you invest in building those relationships, it just changes the dynamic from, you know, something you just do for work to, hey, this, this person believes in me and is investing their time in me. And it, it really makes a difference.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And as it approached that the, the title of the session approach to training, I mean, as, as you're approaching that, right, as you are Putting together an agenda, putting together uh, an itinerary uh, for how you're going to train uh, a new hire or uh, elevate someone's career uh, into a goal that that um, uh, that they expressed to you. And their goal might change, right? On the side, their goal might change. You know, two years into it, they thought they wanted to be a produce manager, but they fell in love with the world of produce, the produce industry, and they maybe did want to go work at, at at a wholesaler or um, somewhere else out inside the industry, but their base, their roots, they start with you, right? They start with, with the person the, the, the trainer, they start with the person that took them under their wing and showed them all the department, all the basics of a produce department, what it takes to run a produce department, meeting the people that are in the produce department and ultimately um, uh, the, the customers, right? And just engaging, engaging with the customers. So, um, yeah, that all starts. That all starts with the trainer. You know, mm-hmm. uh, success starts with the trainer. Desire mm-hmm. has to be with the trainee, right? Desire to learn has to be with the trainee. But the success start definitely starts with the with the person trained and the entire the entire team. Because you as a as a trainer are the head trainer, but every every good team needs a leader, but every leader needs a good team, mm-hmm. right? So everyone, I try to get everyone involved in in in, in all. Of in all aspects of training, even the people that are there. They have the train the trainer type um, um, so exercises. I guess it's called train the trainer type exercises where you know the people that are being trained then ask the trainer questions on different things too. So you know it gets it's every it gets everyone a chance to know what every, what, what everyone else is about. But the approach to training is just if I can offer anybody advice on 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 this is just to be genuine in your in your trainees vision and his and his or her goals so well i um, love talking about training i love you I, <laughs> I because you know what the, the, you know you're you're putting together the, the the bench for the next you know 15 20 years and you are helping being part of, of the future i mean look how many mentors that we've had that I've had. And some of the people now they are industry veterans, like Joe Watson and Mike Ryan and Armand, those, those are pioneers. Right. And they all, they've all always, they, they're, they're people, people. Right. And they just, they have a genuine interest on in people's success.
0: Now on the leadership front, I believe culture plays a critical role. Is this a place where we can be creative? Is this a place where we can ask questions? Is this a place where we're open to trying out new processes? And zooming out a bit, everyone listening to this podcast knows that labor is a huge challenge for grocery retail. And finding and keeping people in produce is so critical because it's such a specialized department. So we talked about recruitment and retention, and maybe this was slightly more than a year ago. I think it might have been late 2022, but we spoke with Rick Stein, the vice president of fresh foods at FMI, the food industry association. And I think you'll be really interested to hear what he had to say and the power that comes with really focusing in on engaging that workforce and and sharing the opportunity of the kind of career that you can have in grocery retail and, and produce retail, you know for our, for our purposes in this conversation, painting the vision of of what a career in this industry can be is something I believe is a huge opportunity for for leaders in produce retail. So without further ado for me, here, here's Rick.
2: At FMI, we partnered up with uh, Saint Joseph's uh, University, and through the uh, Gerald Peck Fellowship, we worked with uh, uh, Dr. Baskin on you know the things that you would have to do to attract the Gen Z um, you know employee, and how, how do you how do you accommodate them? And you you talked a lot about it in your in your question to me. You know, one of the things they're looking for is flexibility. They're looking for the opportunity to grow. It's almost the first thing they ask, and and probably not just in the supermarket industry. You go to any industry, and they'll say the Gen Z's that have onboarded, the first thing they're asking is, what's my next move? And so retailers have started to be more thoughtful about laying out career plans and showing them that career tree that you can go off in this area, or this area, or this is the next step in the area you're in even if it's in operations you know um when i was with safeway there were many produce managers that went on to be store managers that went on to be district managers that then ended up going backstage and got roles there so there's definitely a growth pattern but we weren't always articulating that tree and so i think the retailers are really doing a better job now as they begin to onboard people to show them there are growth opportunities the other thing you want to do, and some of our best retailers that have great reputations for hiring, they do a good job of interviewing candidates and saying, what are your needs? You know, if you're a single mom and you have daycare during the day and you can't work evenings, is there a shift available for you in the middle of the day? And 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 if you find the right components of part-time work and full-time work, you can make sure your store is fully staffed make sure your customers receive a great experience and you're meeting the needs of your of your workforce so i think that's become much more important that wasn't the case when i when i joined you know when i back in the 70s this was your shift and you know if you were new you had to work you know till midnight every friday and saturday night so that wasn't great for the uh, dating scene or the party scene but it was a, it was a good job and i did it that that doesn't count now. You gotta really be able to you know, articulate the expectations to the candidate, say, this is what we expect from you, and this is what we're willing to do for you. And and that came out in that study that we did with St. Joseph's, this ability to be flexible and meet individual needs. And, and then when you can't meet them, you just need to be upfront and say, this is what we expect, and this is what we're gonna need. And as long as you're somewhat flexible and able to accommodate most of what they want, they're looking for a good career. They they want to earn good money and they want to work for, you know, many of the retailers come from these long family businesses, you know, and, and they have great reputations of having a family atmosphere where you work. And so I think there's a lot to be said that makes it attractive to go into the supermarket industry. Mm-hmm. And
0: when you were talking about this, this youngest generation, something that I was wondering about. In terms of kind of on the the benefits and flexibility um, and even career path side of it, is I know something that is is on on my mind is is so I'm I'm early 30s so I'm I'm out of college but I'm thinking about oh my gosh like for this next generation with inflation and college is even more expensive I imagine there's probably retailers looking at you know, some tuition reimbursement or things like that, which is another kind of perk they can offer. And kind of alongside, like, look at this pathway. Like, these are some things that you can do over here if you don't want to go get a degree, or if you do, you could stay with us, you know, as you pursue that. And then when you come out the other side, these are all the other things that open up too. Is, is there some of that going on as well?
2: Yeah, that continues as well as certificate programs where you, um, you know, people want to feel like they're accomplishing things. Over the course of my career, once I got out of college, my my employer put me through all kinds of courses and and certif- uh, certificate programs, leadership programs, uh, communication programs, um, financial programs, things of that nature. I think each individual company has those opportunities available. And that goes again to the onboarding process. And monitoring your workforce to say what are your needs and how can we accommodate you and what can we put in place. It is so much more expensive to find a new employee than to retain a current one, and so our our retailers are are very much in the in the mode of what will it take to keep you and how do we groom you because they're you know there's a lot of folks that are my age that are starting to get ready to. Exit the industry, and and so they're looking to fill those voids with really talented people. And you know the young folks have tremendous talents. um, That when you tap into them, it's it's just amazing what they can provide to an organization.
0: Now, following up on that, one of the big opportunities I see for produce retail broadly is deeper connection with their communities to get young people in the door. So. Internships for kids in high schools, community college, shoot, maybe even field trips and cooking classes for younger kids, you name it. Now, back when I started the produce retail podcast, I also started the produce talent podcast. And quite frankly, I still believe that's a great idea, but I was just stretched a bit too thin. And so I made a decision to focus on doing one podcast really well. That's the goal, at least, uh, for other people to decide. The only reason I mention that is because this next snippet comes from a conversation that I originally recorded for the Produce Talent podcast. This is Tammy Martin of Black Gold Farms discussing the company's internship program. Maintaining
3: those relationships with your local colleges is extremely important, and and we generally start with local universities, uh, especially the ag universities, but also make sure we have a presence with the community colleges. Sometimes that'll give you some more exposure with students and, and relocation may not be an issue when versus recruiting from out of state. And so we try to attend uh, the career fairs each fall, uh, a lot of the time in the spring as well. And then we also offer to come in and speak with the classes, uh, you know, just during the school year. If any of them have projects they need to work on, we try to serve as a resource. And one of the best ways we found to maintain those relationships with the universities is to utilize the alumni that we employ um, to keep those connections alive with their former professionals. Professors and advisors, so that's been extremely helpful for us. But you know, prior to going to the career fairs, our HR coordinator uh, Taylor Wittenhagen she does an excellent job of just outlining expectations of career fairs. This is how your booth should look, um, making sure they have all the materials that they need, and then just how to interact with students. You know, it's helpful. Don't sit behind the table um don't be on your phone the whole time it's helpful to have at least two people in case somebody needs to take a phone call or use the restroom and so we try to really prepare our employees prior to heading to those career fairs so that they're able to offer that excellent experience to the students
0: that makes so much sense because those those kind of best practices you might you might think that you could assume that people would do those because it kind of makes sense. But uh, anybody who's ever walked around a trade show and seen exactly some of those things—the person sitting down, the person on the phone, the person looking down and texting while people are walking by—it it does. It just makes sense to to say those things out loud. Hey, these are our expectations, just so everyone's on the same page. And sounds like y'all have developed a great process and consistent approach where it's the same every time. You know that you get folks going out. Yeah.
3: And our approach while at career fairs is, is, you know, we're willing to talk with anybody and we want to talk with everybody. And, you know, we're not going to covet our, our swag. Um, you know, we, we obviously like to have potato chips and chip clips and stress potatoes, things related to our business. And, you know, the The person that comes up to talk to us, they may not have um, an interest in our business or an internship or a full-time position that we have available, but just getting our name out there to anybody. They might have a roommate. Um, They might have a a sibling or or something just to share the information. And who knows, maybe in the future, we would be recruiting for that type of role. So we're not afraid to to hand out our items.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. And I know something else that we talked about was when you have interns coming on and certainly again, some, you know, some of these things, the foundation's been laid over the years at this point, but really preparing the folks within the company already who are going to be supervising interns or working with interns to really set them up for success where the intern can be beneficial to them and they can really have a really great relationship with that intern and help them while they're there. What what does that process kind of look like for you guys?
3: Yeah, you know, it's something, as you said, that we've built over the years, and it definitely each season that we have an intern program, it gets easier each season, and we're able to kind of build off of uh, best practices, but we really try to set the foundation with our incoming interns from the get-go, from their experience at the career fair to really trying to, you know, reach reach out to candidates immediately thereafter. Um, we try to impress upon our locations that you should really try to have your interns lined up for summer before Christmas break. And I mean, so a lot of people are surprised that you need to be that proactive. And but but students are eager to get their, you know, their internships lined up. So it does require that amount of, um, I guess, uh, uh, just being timely with them. So we, we generally do two interviews, a uh, Zoom and uh, with the HR recruiting team and then allowing them to meet their hiring manager, the person that will be directly supervising them. And that could occur on site or over Zoom. And we prep them with, you know, here's good questions. We give them some interviewing um, tips and guidelines and training so that you know they can conduct a good interview and make sure that they're recruiting the best intern for themselves um and then you know we have templates for everything template interviews template offer letters check-in calls and and so we try to make sure once we do find that ideal candidate that intern that you know, they don't feel forgotten about until May. So we check it in with them about every six weeks or so. Just, you know, hey, we're looking forward to having you come on board, and here's some additional information about the company, and here's what you can expect. Um, and then um, generally, they have finals to go through. So we like to send them a, a kind of a care package during finals week uh, because we all remember how stressful that time can be. And just to let them know that, you know, that they're welcome and that we care and we're looking forward to having them. Um, Maintaining those touch points ensures that also that hopefully they're not out looking for another opportunity. (laughs) Um, So that's important for us as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And then prior, I guess, prior to them joining, we have another check-in call, just, you know, hey, when do you show up? Who do you ask for? Where do you park? What do you wear? What should I do for lunch the first day? Um, You know, things that some of us might just think, oh, this is, you know, I know this, but um, it has to be explained clearly. These are early career professionals, and it just everybody likes, you know, eliminating as much uncertainty as you can on your first day. So just being empathetic in that regard. So we get them on board, we have an orientation schedule for generally their first week, it may not take up the every minute of their day, but it at least kind of outlines, you know, the the things we want to cover. Um, people that they're going to get introduced to. And of course, there's some requirements, just you know basic things, getting people set up from an HR payroll standpoint, you know, some of that stuff that has to con- um, be covered, but making sure they understand their job description and that they're adequately introduced to everybody at the location. And everybody knows that somebody's going to be coming. So they're not like, hey, who's this new kid over here? And what's he doing over there? Um, so it's just as important to... Introduce the intern to the organization, but also to inter- um, introduce the organization to the intern.
0: Of course, a core component of leadership is putting your people in a position to be successful. That can be really tough in today's labor environment. Of course, when sometimes even when the labor hours are budgeted, there might not be help available or there might not be good help available. So for that reason, this episode with longtime produce retail professional Armin Lobato has stayed with me, um, and been a go-to one since we recorded it.
4: Yeah. Cross training is always a good idea if, um, uh, and, and, and usually in the, in, in a grocery store, um, you know, you're not necessarily just a produce clerk. Sometimes they call them all purpose clerks or something like that. And, um, and, and it's, and it's to everyone's benefit for them to learn, um, basics in all the departments. When I was a part timer, you know, I bounced around the different departments. I I would I would hang out after my closing shift in produce, and throw freight on the night crew. Uh, that was just a um, a real uh, loose term for stocking groceries. So I knew basics in stocking groceries. And and you know, you knew the difference between the can aisle and the glass aisle where all the pickles and everything were. And so you learned these things or the paper aisle or the bake aisle where all the flour and sugar and spices are. So you learn some basics about your store and you learn how to work them. And, uh, and, and, and if you can uh, stock uh, anything in the store uh, and, and, and with the exception of some specialized areas, like, like meat cutting or, uh, or deli, you know, where they have to, um, you know, know how to use a slicer or, you um, or, 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 or other more technical food preparation. But for the, most of the store, you know, you'd be surprised how how much is uh, people can cross train and do everything from um, stock a few produce items to stock groceries to jump into the check stand and collect carts or you know whatever it takes. So, the, and the more valuable a, a clerk becomes, um, you know, the more likely they are to have as many hours as they'd like because a lot of times um, uh, a, a part-timer will will cry you know that I don't have any hours and and I always say you know you how valuable are you because if you're valuable you know they're going to want you there because they know in a pinch they can put you in a check stand or they can uh, um, have you man the uh, bakery counter for a few minutes for a break or unload their truck or whatever the task is you know yeah, the, the more duties the more Uh, things someone's cross-trained in the better for everybody including including produce and and when you're and when you're short in produce and you know that there's a cashier that helps you out in produce sometimes that's the person that you want to try to 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 get for that day to help you out so so yeah cross-training is absolutely a a, a great way to prepare for potential um, adjustments in a schedule inside of a store.
0: Well, and you mentioned, you know, there, there are a few things across the store. You wouldn't just throw somebody into anything with machinery, you know, with yeah. cutting like in meat or in deli or things like that. Probably yeah. not.
4: Yeah. Your average produce clerk's not going to jump in, help the pharmacist fill scripts. Yeah.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> well, it did make me wonder though, anything in produce that would be a lot harder to get somebody to fill in on. Like, so like you said, if, if you if you're coming on shift and and things are kind of you know a little chaotic all around, like it'd be hard to have somebody fill in on like the wet rack, probably right. So, oh, yeah. like, where do some of those things fit in, sort of that that triage? I think that's a very appropriate <laughs> word, sort of that triage assessment.
4: Yeah, and and that's a good example of the the uh, the wet rack because if I if I'm short and all of a sudden I have to do that triage. You know that's the last place I would put somebody because it it usually involves um, uh, identification uh, preparation uh, and and it's it, it's a little different from you know stocking bananas or apples you know it, it's 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 a question of of um, of rotating it and making it look a certain way and and so uh, it's it's a little it's a little more finesse as we talked about at the last podcast. You know where where somebody needs to 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 not just dump stuff on onto a display, but actually you know arrange it so that it's attractive and 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 it's um, and it's the the right item in the right place. You know because because if you get somebody just out of the blue, you know they're not they don't know the difference between. Uh, parsley and Italian flat parsley, uh, and and the and and they barely know the difference between a turnip and a rutabaga. So so those are things you don't want that clerk to be fooling around with. But if you do have a warm body, so so to speak, you know you can put them on. You can say, look, here's a here, I'll fill up this cart for you you know, you stock these oranges and um, or stock the bananas or something, you know, you, at least you have a little bit of help. It's not perfect, but at least some product is getting onto the shelf and you can kind of keep an eye on that person and coach them a little bit and say, thank you. And, and, um, you know, uh, it, it, as soon as you're done with that, you know, and they kind of coach them too, like, you know, don't st- spend all day doing this, you know, try to try to stock these oranges in about 10 minutes. And after you're done there, there's an I'll get you another cart to fill that corn display, you know, while I'm taking care of the wet rack. So, yeah, there's ways to bounce back and forth in a, in a shorthanded situation. So, but it's uh, yeah, it, it, it makes for a challenging and long day.
0: Well, and so you mentioned earlier some of you know making sure to prioritize kind of whatever whatever the key commodities are, the things that move the fastest, where those displays are going to empty out the most. Right. And then also the ad items, right? Because that's what somebody saw saw the deal and they come in expecting yeah. to be able to get that. Yeah. Um after those priorities, I was thinking in terms of like if if you're able to borrow someone who's who's not a regular in the produce department, the ink. Of packaged items in departments, you know, mm-hmm. in in the last decade or so, probably makes that. I mean, that would be probably an easier type of assignment, right? To say, okay, here's the bagged potatoes. Here you mm-hmm. go. Here's the clamshells of berries. Yep. Here you go. Yeah. do you balance sort of the the ease of the assignment with also the visual in the department? Because like I know some some stores will like to have the bulk on the front of the display, and then they'll have the package on the back of the display. So how do you balance some of those things?
4: Well, that's a great example because um, in fact, you, that's, it's, it's almost like, you know what to do, please help me, you know? <laughs> and uh, um, so yes, if, if once the, the, some of the vital items are taken care of in the ad items, and bananas, lettuce, tomatoes, the BLT, that's, that's a great um, assignment you can give them, you know, like here's a cart with bag apples, and, and just make sure that they're the right size and the right variety. And, and the same with, with uh, uh, the, the, the clamshell berries in the case. And, and if you give them just a quick rotation lesson, you know, and, and if you see something that, that you wouldn't buy, then put it in your, in the box, cull it, you know, take it to the back. I'll deal with it later, but it's, um, but yeah, that's, that's a, that's a really good uh, example of, of, of uh, them not having to trim, prepare, or, or, or give any special handling to something. So, and there's a lot of that actually. There's there's a uh, there, there's there's uh, e- even the 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 wall with the all the packaged salads and things like that. You know, just show them. You know, where there's an empty spot you know, there's a tag, it corresponds to a certain item and go get it and, you know, load up or or sometimes it's best just to load those things up for the person and they can handle it from there, from, you know, the, you know, all of these dozen or 20 items, you know, just take your box off. If it's full, then take the rest of the back room or, or if it's empty, fill the, fill the, fill the, fill the display. So yeah, there's, there's lots of little assignments like that they can handle.
0: Now, last but not least, I'm pulling in an episode from one of my go-tos again, longtime retail veteran, Scott Shooty. He, as you know, if you're a regular listener, is a frequent guest on this podcast. And we talked about professional development as an executive. How do you keep learning and growing when you get to the point in your career where you're the expert? Scott had some great insight on this.
5: I did a lot of those classes, like you just mentioned before, the the para-bureau classes, working with the potato commissions, and a bunch of those agencies that um, were able to help um, coach, teach, and train myself and help develop some small but very important leadership skills. Um, I graduated from those type of programs into more local state programs that were offered. And most of the time, those were programs that were minimal cost, but um, very high results from them. Um, something like a food safety program that's offered or sponsored by the Department of uh, Food Safety in, in your local state, those are big. They might not sound like much or they might sound like uh, um, a lot of cramming for a test to pass You know, a food safety certification, but the reality of it is there's quite a bit of learning in programs like that. Once you make it through there, Um, When you get into produce management management positions, um, operations leadership positions, uh, directorship type positions, um, the world of commodities is open to you. And that's when you're able to take advantage of enjoying the, the learnings that are found in something as simple as a Idaho potato harvest tour and to be able to be part of something like that that does nothing but fill you with ideas and answer all those questions you might've had for years but were afraid to ask. Um, You get through some of those programs and there are some bigger programs as you just mentioned, um, United Fresh programs. Um, There's an executive development program and a leadership program that are tremendous programs as far as developing somebody that has that ambition to become a strong, powerful leader and somebody that has the desire to actually get to know themselves a little bit more and what their leadership um, identity is and what type of leader they are. And it gives them a chance to finally, as you put it, take time out of a busy week to pull away from the normal day-to-day grind and get to know yourself a little bit better, especially from that leadership perspective. What it really does, though, is it allows you to find your vacancies in leadership and it allows you to either have the right person on your team that can help fill those vacancies and lean on them a little bit more, or for you to bring your level up a notch or two and help fill in that void that might be missing on some of your leadership prerequisites or or qualifications, if you will. The uh, United Fresh Food Industry Program, that was a one-week program for me. Um, Executive leadership, um, everything from Uh, talking in depth about getting the right sleep at night, which sounds funny, but you know how it is sometimes where you think you're not human and you can live off of five or six hours of sleep at night. Uh, You do that long enough and you're not going to be a very effective leader. Um, You have to have that power of the sleep. Uh, That class actually went from topics like that all the way to down in the trenches, of a very popular retail grocery chain in that neck of the woods, Wegmans, and had the ability to actually be boots on the ground inside of Wegmans and learn the operations inside and out on a truly best-in-class operator and how they function and how they perform on a daily basis. We also had, um, on an equal scale, the ability to tour an Aldi, and be part of all the day-to-day operations and learn two different formats how they function how they move forward each day but most of all how the heck did these guys become so great at what they do and those are powerful things to be able to learn in the class learning a lot about your own self and your leadership abilities and weaknesses learning about um, best team practices and how to work with peers and how to get the most out of people. Those are all big things that that one-week program by United Fresh um, helped develop me quite a bit. Uh, if I go back quite a bit farther in history, back in 2008, um, I was lucky enough to be part of the class of 2008 for the University of Southern California Food Industry Management Program that was going on. Um, I believe that was the 50th year of the program, if I'm not mistaken. It was the 50th anniversary of the program. Um, The program still exists today and is probably, in my career, of 36 years, probably one of the most powerful things I've ever done and I've ever committed to. Uh, Granted, it was a full semester. Um, It was regular classes. These weren't abbreviated, um, changed you know, uh, prerequisite qualifications for these type of classes. These were and are full-fledged college classes, college classes and programs that uh, were a real big key to the early start for my development and advancement for me for moving forward. So um, the company that I'd worked for at the time, um, luckily enough for me, was a firm believer on getting a ton of positive results out of programs like that. Um, they were proud supporters of it, and they have reaped the benefits in years past of sending many executives to that type of program. And um, this was a way for them, as a continuation, to keep building their arsenal of executives and strengthening the team for future generations and for what's coming next in the future of that particular company. So that was an easy arm twist to be able to be part of a program like that. But again, there are many prerequisites in front of that. You have to work your way up, become um, an important position within the company. Um, that particular program has some qualifications as far as number of college credit hours and degrees that are required to be part of it. Um, and then that overall commitment to set aside you know, a good three or four months of your life to go to school every single day, five days a week and minimum of probably 10 to 12 hours a day committed to either in class or studying after class and preparing for what's going to happen next so all great stuff for me moving forward um, right now as far as my next steps something that's a little bit of a peak under the tent but i've made a big commitment to pma this year and for the fresh summit um, i'm going to be part of, of being a facilitator at uh, a peer-to-peer session that PMA is hosting prior to the opening of of day one, uh, which is Thursday, I believe, to talk about many topics that are either near and dear to our hearts or right now, the time of life that we're living in, that are most relevant and that need to have a lot of peer-to-peer type discussions and to bounce ideas off of each other and one another to find out we can navigate through what we've just been through as far as 2020 goes the rest of 2021 and what's going to be happening in 2022 so i'm looking forward to that but that'll be a first for me and i think that's just another way to kind of broaden my leadership skills and most of all to be a great listener Um, i've never ever claimed to be a great presenter or a great speaker it's actually one of my my weaknesses Uh, but being a great listener is going to be most important at an event like this because there's going to be a lot of exciting topics and a lot of exciting uh, antidotes and um, problem solving that happen during this short one-hour period of time but it's definitely something well worth listening to and being involved in.
0: That's awesome and how exciting about uh, Fresh Summit. I know it's uh, it, it feels right around the corner already and it'll be even more so of course uh, as, as we get closer I'm curious because you, you brought up so many great examples of, of some of the different opportunities that are out there. How have you approached, um, you know, retaining what you learn and then whether it's, you know, taking notes or like how often do you look back and how do you find yourself using it, you know, going forward? Because I know for me, that's one of the things I'll, you know, go to education sessions at an event or something is a small example of this sort of thing. And I take all these notes. I'm like, Wow, that's fantastic. And then it sits in the notebook sometimes, oh, yeah. you know. So so what have you found to be, you know, some good strategies for for taking some of those takeaways in back into the workplace?
5: Well, a good strategy for me is to pay attention to what I'm actually uh, teaching, coaching, training and being a leader and representing Um, I need to self-reflect on myself as I'm actually doing it to make sure that um, I've learned from those past experiences. But I need to be able to project what I've learned. I need to be able to um, regurgitate, so to speak, some of those little tricks of the trade that professors over at USC taught um, or that the food safety expert within the state of of Arizona was able to teach me one-on-one back in those days and I need to use those as as antidotes and problem solving verbally when I'm acting as a leader. Um, I need to stand by those and make sure that, as you said, they're not forgotten about. Uh, one of the other things that I've done, and it's something that back in, in the 2008 USC class, um, they made it almost mandatory for us to do. And that was to uh, not only keep good notes, but uh, keep those important notes and your go-to diary, something that uh, you're going to wear the pages out that you're going to go through and you're going to take the best of the best and those highlights and make sure that they are part of your, your daily practices. And they are something that would help you maybe necessarily um, not uh, get bogged down in the minutia of what you've learned, but to take some of those highlights and make sure that you're operating at the highest level by being propelled by those highlights and, and knowing that those are what makes you and what helps you function as a high level leader every day. Um, that helps you forget a little bit of the small stuff, but it really helps you focus on what's more, most important as a, a leader of a company. And that could be a, a retail grocery chain. Um, small or large or that could be a, a wholesale distributor you know somebody that operates at a different level from a, a distribution center point of view rather than a uh, retail grocery point of view but um, those important ones are the ones that I self-reflect back on all the time and I'll catch myself paging through some of those uh, my biggest mistakes and I'll page through what I call my, my greatest hits and some of my biggest strengths that I need to continue focusing on and um, most of all all those weaknesses that i quickly thumbed through and didn't pay close attention to that i've drilled down a little bit deeper on there and i'm not only getting help from myself for fixing them but i'm reaching out to a lot of the other peers that i work with also to help fill in the blanks there for me because as you know you can't do it all it's impossible to do it all and you need those key people to make you look better and help you be elevated in far as far as your position goes and I had a lot of fortunate opportunities in the past of great people that worked for me, worked with me together, that um, were experts in many different areas where uh, I was okay. I was mediocre. I didn't need training wheels on the bike, so to speak. But these people were just dynamite at what they did and learning to rely on them and setting egos aside. um, It helps out quite a bit.
0: And with that, we'll wrap it up. Thank you so much for listening. If you are learning from or otherwise enjoying this podcast, please be sure to rate and review. That helps me keep it rolling and continue to bring you insight from excellent guests like the folks we've mentioned today and many, many others. Thank you again. And we will see you next week on the Produce Retail Podcast.